SumaUp is next-gen body optimization from an actual doctor that's guaranteed to get you in the best shape of your life in 90 days. You'll be at peak levels for each of the fundamentals that drive your strength, energy, and even your longevity. It's a lifelong difference you'll see in the mirror, but also feel throughout your entire day. SumaUp puts more living in life. For full details on this transformative program designed for the demanding lives of today's highest achieving entrepreneurs and CEOs, visit www.startsuma.com. Hi everyone, it's Dr. Ryan, and today we're going to talk a little bit about a question that I get a lot from patients, particularly when they first sign up with me, and that's why exactly do their testosterone levels drop in the first place? And what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about the conventional causes for why testosterone levels decrease over time, and then some more controversial causes. So let's dive in. So first things first, typically the known causes as to why patients' testosterone drop are divided into two main categories. You have primary hypogonadism or secondary hypogonadism. So basically, hypogonadism refers to the gonads not functioning appropriately, are not producing as much testosterone as they should be. So as you can see in both of these situations, the testicles produce too little testosterone. But the issue uh, is apparent at different levels. So this is your hypothalamic pituitary axis or your HPA axis. And as you can see with primary hypogonadism, the problem resides with the testicles. Whereas with secondary hypogonadism, it can arise either with the hypothalamus or the pituitary. And when we diagnose it, we look at levels, uh, gonadotropin-releasing hormone, luteinizing hormone, follicle-stimulating hormone, along with testosterone levels. Testosterone levels are obviously decreased in both these situations. If the problem is primarily with the testicles, you'll notice that you'll have high LH and FSH levels along with gonadotropin-releasing hormone. Uh, And that is primarily because the hypothalamus and pituitary are doing their job and they're secreting a bunch of hormones, but when they act on the testicle, the testicle is abnormal and not producing, it's abnormally functioning and not producing testosterone. Whereas with secondary hypogonadism, you'll see that uh, there's a decrease in gonadotropin releasing hormone as well as luteinizing hormone and FSH, along with, of course, decreased testosterone. The testicles appear to be working okay. Okay, so um, what are some of the causes of primary versus secondary? So primary, uh, there are many things that can cause it, but again, these are things that primarily affect the, testo- uh, the testicles. So these would be things like Klinefelter syndrome and genetic syndrome where we have two X chromosomes and one Y chromosome, undescended testicles, mumps, orchitis, inflammation of the, of the uh, testicles with the mumps virus, hemochromatosis or iron overload and actually accumulate in the testicles, trauma, cancer therapy like radiation or chemo, a hydrocele or varicoceles. So with hydrocele, there'll be water surrounding the testicles and that can of course compress the testicles and cause decreased function. And the varicoceles are where the particular venous um, plexus that uh, drains blood from the testicles gets engorged, and sometimes this can lead to decreased testicular function and decreased testosterone. With secondary hypogonadism, you have things like Kalman syndrome, which is a particular syndrome that is oftentimes diagnosed in puberty, and you'll notice that they'll have decreased testosterone levels, but it's a, it's a syndrome. What's interesting is they'll also notice that they'll have 
a loss of smell, and sometimes they'll have vertebral or limb abnormalities. You have pituitary tumors or traumas or anything affecting the pituitary and causing it to decrease the release of LH and FSH, luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone. Inflammatory diseases, which can, of course, also affect your hypothalamus and pituitary, and things like sarcoidosis, as well as rheumatoid arthritis, HIV and AIDS. Medications, opioids in particular, can affect your pituitary as well as your hypothalamus and cause decreased release of LH and FSH. And then more systemic illnesses like obesity, liver disease, congestive heart failure, and diabetes have all been associated with secondary hypogonadism. And then, of course, just aging. And so aging primarily is secondary hypogonadism because over time we just find that the pituitary and the hypothalamus just, just tends to release less luteinizing hormone and FSH along with gonadotropin-releasing hormone. And most population-based studies suggest that there's a decrease in the serum testosterone levels of 1% to 2% after the age of 35. And there's a more dramatic decrease in free test versus the total testosterone. This is really due to the fact is as we age, we tend to increase serum hormone binding globulin. And this is not good because the free testosterone levels are what is acting on the androgen receptor. So not only will you get a decrease in the total testosterone, which is circulating, but then the unbound fraction or the free testosterone level is also decreased. And then uh, one of the reasons why this may be the case is just uh, by virtue of the fact as we get older, this will drop. But as we age, we also are have a higher propensity to develop chronic illnesses. And as we know, diabetes and congestive heart failure and liver disease, obesity, are associated with decreased gonadotropin-releasing hormone, LH and FSH, or secondary hypogonadism. So the vast majority of my patients who come to the clinic have secondary hypogonadism. Uh, of interest, I myself had primary hypogonadism. And that was primarily due to the fact that my mother had taken DES along with diethylsilvestrol, along with progesterone, uh, when she was pregnant with me. Unfortunately, whereas my LH and FSH levels were fine, my testosterone levels were, were low. It is what it is. And I was able to get treated with TRT and felt much better. Okay, so those are, those are the main causes as to why uh, testosterone levels in general drop, but there is, I guess, a more insidious reason why we're starting to see more and more people suffer from this. And, and uh, to start off, there is a uh, there is a a realization within the media and among researchers that there is a been a population level decline in serum testosterone over the past uh, several years. And this has been noted in older populations for some time. Uh, here's an article that was published in 2007 that looked at total testosterone levels declining from the late 80s to the present. And as you can see, the cohort that was represented in all three of these uh, lines right here was started maybe about 55 to, oh, why don't we say 70 or so? And you can see that uh, for the average 55 to 70 year old back in 1987, testosterone levels were significantly higher than they were in 2002 to 2004, right? And uh, there have been further studies that suggested that there's even a larger drop in the last 20 years. What's more concerning is that we're starting to see this decrease in 
adolescent and young adult men. And here's an article that was published in 2021, much more recently, and it showed that um, testosterone levels in these particular age groups, 15 through 19, 20 through 29, 30 through 39, right? Uh, they looked at average levels across several different years, and they found that there was a significant downward trend. You can kind of see that going from 1999 to 2000 to 2015 to 2016. And as you can see, the average level for 20 to 29 year olds was somewhere above six, uh, 600, maybe 650, 630, 640. Now it's dropped to about just below 600, maybe 580 or so. So what might be the cause of this? Well, there have been several theories as to what might be going on, but one thing that is uh, maybe considered is our genetically modified organisms. So what exactly are GMOs? Well, GMOs are basically just um, genetically modified crops that are usually done so in a way that they make them more resistant to pesticides. Um, there is a particular pesticide Roundup that is uh, very powerful in uh, reducing certain bugs and it's used very frequently in soybeans. And uh, that is one of the main reasons that genetically modified soybeans have started to really dominate the market. As you can see, here's an article that's looked at the, or so rather a graph that looks, looked at the adoption of genetically engineered crops in the US from 1996 to 2022. And you've seen that the herbicide tolerant soybeans, and you can see that's, uh, that's what, that's how they refer to G GMOs. Um, these have dramatically increased since 1996. As you can see in 96, it was, oh, why don't we say less than like uh, 10%. And then over the last 20 years, it's been close to 100%. And that's true for cotton, as well as um, corn. And it's all dramatically increased. And when you think about what are the most common high-risk uh, crops, or rather um, crops that are genetically modified, they tend to include the following. Alfalfa, canola, corn, cotton, papaya, soy, sugar beet, and zucchini. There is some controversy as to whether or not GMOs in particular cause harm. Uh, here is a recent article in 2017 that was a real article. And their thought was that there are no, there's no evidence of harm um, for GMOs when corrected for multiple comparisons. And so there's, you know, there's been several review articles that have looked at whether or not these GMOs really do make a difference in terms of, um, in terms of endocrine disruption. And so I'm not going to really touch upon that. But what I am going to touch upon is things that we, we know for sure definitely cause some harm, and that is glyphosate. So glyphosate is the active ingredient of Roundup. And so whereas, you know, the genetically modified organis organisms such as soybeans um, may not be affecting us, the pesticides that are on the soybeans probably are. 
And here's a article that came out in 2021 that looked at glyphosate and uh, some of the effects that it had in um, males and females, both human and animal models. And it was a review article, it looked at many different articles. And their conclusion was that most of the main regulators of the reproductive axis, gonadotropin releasing hormone, LH, FSH, we talked about those, estradiol and testosterone, are altered at all levels of the hypothalamic pituitary gonadal axis by exposure to GVHs. Again, these are glyphosate-based herbicides as Roundup, which are considered more toxic than just glyphosate due to the presence of formulants such as polyoxyethylene taloamine, P-O-E-A. So glyphosate on its own is not good, but when you add it to the rest of the components of Roundup, it seems to be much worse. So, um, yeah, if, if at all possible, uh, it may not be the best idea to, to uh, or try, it may not, may not be a bad idea to consider avoiding GMOs. However, um, you do your research out there, but there is some evidence suggesting that uh, the pesticides that are sprayed upon these crops likely is causing some harm and leading to lower testosterone levels. The other thing to think about is plastics, right? So we have GMOs, um, which as you've can, as you seen, have gotten almost universal uh, usage among certain crops. So they affect a large proportion of the US population. I mean, soybeans are in everything, corn, cotton, right? So they touch almost all of us in some way. But what about plastics? So plastics, uh, tend to be, they tend to have a combination of many different chemicals that are used to soften or improve their durability. And phthalates is one of those chemicals that's come into uh, some interest because of its effects on the endocrine system. And phthalates, again, are primarily used to, to harden these plastics or, or soften them alternatively. And they're used in many different products, vinyl flooring, lubricating oils, personal care products, soaps, shampoos, hairsprays, and here's some of the things you'll find them in. Um, and uh, what we've noticed is that plastic production has increased dramatically, right? So this is our plastic production back in 1950, and the global plastic production has almost logarithmically increased. It was almost zero tons in 1950. And then in 2015, it was 350 million tons. It's a lot of plastic. And we know that phthalates are linked to hypermethylation, hypomethylation, and uh, they tend to bind to histones and DNA, which in turn disrupts uh, cellular processes by affecting the nucleus. And that in turn can affect your testes and ovaries which in turn will decrease testosterone production, at least for the purposes of, of this particular talk. And there's been several articles that have suggested this. Here's just one of them. Urinary phthalate metabolites are associated with decreased serum testosterone in men, women, and children. And this particular article, they pretty much looked at a cross, it was a cross-sectional study uh, where they looked at a survey that included um, many uh, groups of men and women 
um, across several different age groups. And the main conclusion uh, or the main results were that multiple phthalates were associated with significantly reduced testosterone in both sexes and different age groups. So that's also another concern. Okay, so those are some of the reasons why testosterone levels have been dropping in the U.S. and why your levels might be dropping if you're watching this. And so uh, hopefully this has given you a bit more information and um, will allow you to now make a more educate, educated decision as to what you'd like to do to optimize your levels, uh, perhaps talk to your PCP or uh, join a hormone optimization clinic or uh, just get some more information by doing some research on PubMed. So anyway, I'll see you guys in the next video.